Good morning, everybody. I hope, I hope your new year is starting off well. Um, there's a few exciting things we can be looking forward to this year. Uh, hopefully our evangelism efforts with the books and other things we do will pay some fruit. And um, I would think at some point this year we would get a pastor, I would sort of hope. <laughs> um, the keeping in the tradition of uh, Pastor Stoffer, he always liked to start off with a uh, just a moment of silent prayer, and I'd just like to do that too. Amen. The, the background for what I'm going to talk about today probably starts back when I was, was a youth. Uh, you know, I, I would go to Sunday school and uh, church, and I learned all the stories. You know, Adam and Eve and Noah and Moses and David and all those and, you know, they were, they were always great. And you know, then I started going to the school system, and I started learning about billions of years and the Big Bang Theory. And, you know, it was, it was kind of a confusing situation. Um, luckily, through, through some investigation and study, I, I found some resources that, through, like, the uh, Institute for Creation Research and Answers in Genesis, where there were a lot of answers to, and scientists who had answers to uh, questions that evolutionists were, were throwing out there. And they really helped provide me with some solid evidence to, to find out that the Bible is, is true and just what it says. And one of the things I got is about 10 years ago or so, I ordered some tapes about how the body, how it's so wonderfully made. And I listened to them, listened to them a second time. I didn't really get a tremendous amount out of them. They were kind of a little over my head. So I I borrowed him to Dr. Connor and let him listen to him. And uh, he told me, he, he listened to him and he enjoyed him. And he says, I'm going to do a sermon on them. Well, he kept them for a lot of years. About <laughs> two or three years ago, he gave them back to me and he told me that I should do a sermon on them. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're part of the background for, for what I'm going to do today. Um, looking at how the, how the body is so wonderfully made. But in addition to that, you can also explore, just to tie into it a few things about some of the other animals and how they're wonderfully made. A few years ago for Sabbath school, I did a little presentation about a couple animals and how things about them actually defy evolution. So we're just going to do a little background on that, and then we're going to jump into how the body is so wonderfully made. But a couple things, first of all. There's a couple evolutionary assumptions that we got to lay out there right away. One, through time, things become more complex. And the other is that a physical trait is acquired to enhance survival. And that's the one I really want you to remember today. A physical trait is acquired to enhance survival. Okay, just a couple of the animals we're going to go through real quickly. The first one we're going to look at is that little, little bombardier beetle. And why we got him up there is... He's kind of unique in that he has a, a built-in defense mechanism. And what happens is he mixes these chemicals and he causes an explosion. Well, he's got these two twin turbines, two, two tails that, or two uh, tubes that run out, and at the end the, the chemicals mix and they explode up, explode. Well, that, those twin tails, those twin guns, were they acquired to enhance survival? I mean... If he mixed himself right in, in his body, what would happen? He explodes. Dead beetles don't reproduce much offspring. So 
I think that that was something that was not acquired to enhance survival. That had to be there right from the start. Next guy we got is the giraffe. What a majestic animal. A few years back, had the opportunity to go to Madagascar, and on our, our, on our way back, we stopped at uh, Kruger National Park for a few days, and we got to see several of these uh, giraffes. They were one of the most fascinating animals I've ever seen. The bull giraffe is about 18 feet high. So if you want to just imagine three of me together, I'm six foot four, would be about 19 feet. So bull giraffes have gotten over 20 feet high, so there's, there's giraffes to be higher than three of me together. But, okay, if I look at my heart is right here, my brain is right there. Okay, what, maybe a foot or a little more. And look at that guy. He's probably eight feet or more difference between his where his heart is and where his brain is. That requires an, an awesome pump to get the blood from there up to his brain because all animals need blood going to the brain. Okay, so we know he's got an awesome heart pump. But what happens when he bends over to uh, take a drink? It's kind of funny if you've ever seen a giraffe do it. They spread their back legs and then they kind of put their front legs kind of behind their back legs and they look really odd, but he gets his head down. Okay, all of a sudden he's got this incredible pump and it's working with gravity. He would have a huge problem. It would actually explode his brains if God didn't design, a, design something there. And what he did is he put a system where there's a little spigot and a sponge in there, and they slow the blood flow down to just the same normal level, and he's able to take a drink. As soon as he releases and goes up, everything's back to normal. Well, if that spigot and sponge system wasn't there from the start, what happens to our draft? He don't live. Little woodpecker. Um, he's kind of unique because he's got a beak that's industrial strength. And he's got, he's got toes that go in each direction so he can climb and stabilize himself really neat. But one other thing about him, you know, every time he pecks, he opens his eyes, aims, and then he closes his eyes and pecks every time he does that because he hits with such force that if he didn't do that, he'd actually, actually bash his eyeballs out. But the really unique thing about him is he's got a built-in shock absorber between his beak and his skull. Okay? The reason that's important is because he's hitting with such force, he'd bash his brains. He, I mean, could that have been an acquired trait? I mean, can you imagine a woodpecker saying, boy, I'm getting a headache from hitting that thing. i gotta, I got to do something. <laughs> no, he had to have that right from the start. Next guy we got there is the possum. I figured probably, you probably figured that one was coming, right? <laughs> it's just a little joke on Paul because a couple of years ago I called him the Detroit possum because the lions were going to change their name to the possums because they, they, they play dead at home and they get killed in, on the road. <laughs> and thankfully... Thankfully for me this year, they lost the last eight games in a row, so I can use that joke. <laughs> Next guy we got up there is our friend Bill, or otherwise known as the Amro Fox. When I was going through it, I just this I needed to get a picture of a man, and I had this picture of Bill on our mission trip, you know, laying in bed there as the Amro Fox. So, next thing we're going to spend a little time is talking about his man and how he is so wonderfully made. Um, what other animal that you know manufactures tools 
has hobbies, is able to uh, compile music, you know, solve complex math problems, uh, laughs and jokes, obeys his conscience sometimes, and even worships God. Man is truly, truly a unique, a unique being. Uh, first thing we're going to look at is the brain, also known as our central intelligence system. The brain is made of billions of cells, and it's what enables us to create and move. It's, a, it's about a three-pound organ. There's a theory out there, that, an evolutionary theory, that since the brain is only using 10% of its... Uh, of, of, ten, it's only 10% of it is used to think that that's, that's a product of evolution. But that's not true. The rest of the brain is used for other various support items, like an example of the hypothalamus. It's actually shown in there. And uh, that's the little thing that it uh, regulates your body temperature. So you, you get cold outside, what happens? You start to shiver, right? Well, that's your brain causing your body to try and generate heat by shivering. Or next, another thing that happens is your blood vessels, they kind of constrict. And you get, you get all these little bumps on your hands, arms, like goosebumps. In extreme situations... Your, your brain will cause your blood to concentrate around the brain and around the heart. And uh, if you ever heard stories of people where they were stuck in uh, difficult situations for a long time, what they would often lose is their hands and their, their toes because the brain is going into protection mode. Um, <clears throat> another thing that the brain is very involved in is, uh, is your nervous system. You, know, you get these... If you're sitting here and somebody tells you to, or if I'm sitting here and somebody tells me to pick up this hymnal, you know, the, the, the noise goes in my ear, it goes in my brain. There's neurons in the brain and there's neurons in my arm and hand, and they all work together, and they, they coordinate and they have me pick up this, this hymnal. Um, but one interesting thing about, the, about those, all those neurons that you got is they're kind of, they don't even touch each other. They're just kind of more, almost more like a cell tower. They just send a little signal between each other. And it's really, really a complex, complex system. They also, the neurons, they kind of fight for space up in your brain. So if you're, if you're not using something, there's other neurons that are going to take a little more space. An example of this, people who are deaf or, or blind, they often enhance other skills they have because... Um, those, those, those neurons end up taking up a little more space and then they become more adept at, at those things. But what I really wanted to, uh, back to the brain there, talk about the brain is something called the blood-brain barrier. I never heard of it till I listened to these tapes. Didn't know I had one, but I'm sure glad I do. Because there's, there's chemicals in your blood that are, that are necessary for certain body functions but they're actually deadly to the, little, to the delicate brain cells. So your body needs brain. What would happen if, if the wrong stuff gets there? It would just kill your brain cells, and that's, that's not good. Um, so what, what God has created, there's your capillaries in your brain, they're, they're, they're surrounded by little proteins. And these proteins, they let the good stuff in, but the bad stuff, they, when the bad stuff comes in, they seal up tight and they keep it, up, keep it away. Well... If that's kind of necessary survival, for survival, could that physical trait have been acquired to enhance survival? I don't think so. Next thing we got is the eye. 
Now, anybody can just look at, the, look at a mirror and, and see how truly remarkable the eye is. It, uh, even Charles Darwin himself said, to think that the eye, something as complicated as the eye, came about by natural se- selection is quite simply absurd. It's basically it's a living video camera with extraordinary sensitivity. You can be reading a book, and somebody will call your name like 12, 15 feet away. You can just look up instant recognition. That is really, really, really sophisticated. Um, there are six blood vessels, or six, excuse me, six muscles in each eye, and they allow you to look up, down, left, right, and then if you turn your head, they keep you from going dizzy. Um, It was once thought that the retina, that part of the eye, that it was uh, in backwards and thus a sign of evolution. But what really is, it's it's in there the way God intended it to to be because the way it is, it it keeps you from looking through all the blood vessels the way it is. And another thing as far as not having to look through all the blood vessels is those muscles that I talked about, they cause your eye to tremor like 50 times a second, just real little movements and that keeps you from having to look through through those blood vessels. Your eye is also self-lubricating. Under your upper eyelid, there's a little fluid reservoir that releases fluid. And then your, your, your eyelid acts like a windshield wiper. And it moistens the eye and, and cleanses it. Um, and that is important because if your eye goes, would just dry out, it would go cause blindness. And inside, inside, close to your nose, there's a little drainage reservoir, little drainage valves. That if you get too much in, let's say you're watching a, an emotional movie and you get a little tears, you know, it, it'll drain down into your nose and you get the sniffles. Um, next thing we got is the ear. The ear is truly a marvelous, marvelous piece of design. It's it's, it's on par with the eye. Um, comes in little different shapes and sizes, like our friend Spock here is demonstrating. There's there's basically three parts to the eye. You got, or, excuse me, to the ear. You got your outer ear, which consists of what you see in your canal and your eardrum, and you got the middle part, which is three little small bones in there. They're the smallest bones in your body. In fact, you can put them, the hammer, the anvil, and the stirrup are called. You can put them between your thumb and your forefingers. They're the only bones in your body that never grow. Well, what happens is sound is kind of a vibration, it, it's, and it, it f- compresses air molecules, and they keep bouncing until they get into your ear. So the farther away you are, the noise is, it's going to bounce into more air molecules, and it's not going to be as loud. The closer it is, the louder it's going to be. That, those air molecules, they go in your canal, and they, pound, they, they vibrate against, uh, against your eardrum. And connected to your eardrum are these three little bones. And what they do is they magnify that sound, and they move against the little membrane that sends off a liquid wave to the rest of the inner part of the ear. That, um, and what that does is then, then it's, that's transferred to a single to send up to your brain. Now, why is this, this such a complicated system? Why is it all involved? Well... If we didn't have the system the way it is, if it would just come through as air and it stayed that way, so much of it would get reflected back and you would have air molecules battling the ones coming in versus the ones coming out. And uh, basically, we'd be virtually deaf if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for this complicated system that God has created. Now, 
he has devised a few protections for us, too. Um, thankfully, this finger only fits in my ear a little bit, because otherwise, I know not enough to, to, to not to mess with my eye, but our ear, we can't see all that delicate stuff in there. We'd be really messing with it. So that was one protection God designed. Another protection he designed is some, some stuff you might consider annoying a few times, earwax. Now, there's a gland inside your ear that produces that earwax. And why that's important is it, um, it prevents irritations, it helps against bacteria, and it also keeps dirt and bugs from getting down where they, where they can do real damage. But, okay, your gland is producing that earwax, wouldn't your ears kind of plug up then? Occasionally it does, but God has designed a system to take care of that. Most people, or, or, the skin on the rest of your body grows from the inside out. But in your ear canal, the skin, it grows like a conveyor belt. So it's going from the inside, moving to the out, and it's taking that earwax and moving it out. So someday you might not have do like this, there's nothing there, and then a couple days later, you get that wax. Well, that conveyor belt is moving that wax out. So it's a continuous system for, for protection. Also by those little, little bones that we have, there's, there's a bunch of little muscles there. And what those little muscles do is they protect us from real, real loud sounds. They, remember I said that those little bones magnify the sound 25 times? Well, if it's a real, real loud sound, these muscles, they, they prevent that magnification. They deaden the, how, how much those little bones move. And you're, you're, it protects your ear in the long run. Now, most scientists would say that loud sounds kind of really came about with the Industrial Revolution. If you look, through, look, if you look at how quick, quickly the Industrial Revolution came about, if you're, even if you're looking at a creationist point of view about 6,000 years or an evolutionist point of view about you know, billions of years, either way, it came about in a really short period of time. Those muscles had to be in place from the start. Otherwise, there was, it happened too quickly for them to develop. Okay, then one other, one other point on both the ears and the, ears and the eyes. If things are getting more complex through time and man is kind of the most complex animal, wouldn't we have better hearing and eyes than all the other animals? We do more than some, but, but not consistently more, better than everyone. Okay, the next thing we look at is the nose. If you grab your nose and wiggle a little bit, you can tell that it's obviously somewhat flexible. And that allows us to, you know, if we need to get a little extra air and to flare, and it, it's, a, it's a benefit for us. Um, also, you know that two, you, obviously you've got two openings. Uh, they kind of take turns. Every like 20, 30 minutes, one of them is more predominant than the other one. And... Uh, before your air gets down into your lungs, it needs to be heated and humidified, especially in this cold air we have here in Wisconsin. It would be very, very, the lungs can't take that. So what happens is it gets in the nose and it gets heated, humidified, go down there. The lungs do what they need to spread it around the body. Then when it comes back out, it's still heated and humidified. Cold air can't hold as much as warm air. So what happens up in your nose? You get a runny nose. That's, that's what happens in your in your nose system. Um, we also, you know, the, the hair in there, they kind of can be annoying sometimes, but they are a crude filter system. 
Now, with your eyes and your ears, your nose is uh, important as an early protection system to let us know what's going on. Another benefit of the nose is if, like me, you live around Kakana, you know when you're getting close to home. (laughs) Okay. Your heart and your circulatory system. This is truly a unique plumbing system with a miraculous pump at the center. And it, it pumps blood and nutrients throughout the body wherever they're needed. It's been estimated there's 1,500 miles of blood vessels in your body. Now, think of this. If, you're, if your heart rate is about 70 beats a minute, your heart is beating 100,000 times a day. In your lifetime, one million barrels of blood is pumped by that little heart. That's equivalent to 42 million gallons. All by... They'll fill up three big oil super tankers full. All by a little organ that's a little bigger than your, the size of your fist. Actually, your heart is actually two. It's, it's two pumps. It's, one goes to the uh, pumps to the lungs and the other pumps to the rest of the body. And they kind of do it by a twisting motion. One twists and the other one op- is open and fills up. Then it just flips back and forth like that. It's more efficient that way. The nerves to the other part of the body, to the senses and that, they can, they can kind of shut off for a while, but not for the heart. The heart needs to keep, the heart needs to keep ticking. Um, so God has designed a system called the automatic nervous system so that your heart is always operating without fail. There's also a special protection for the heart. Um, inside the heart... There are, there's a little, there's a little bag that's in, a two-layered bag inside the heart, and there's, there's a lubricant in there. Your, your heart is moving so much, it would cause a tremendous amount of friction, enough friction that it could actually cause death. But inside this little bag, there's this, this liquid, and it, it keeps that from happening. And um, once again, I asked that question, if that bag would be necessary for survival, for that lubricant to be in there, wouldn't that have to be there from the beginning? Could that have evolved? Our bone, I better watch you here. I got, I got an orthopedic surgeon back there. We're talking about bones now. <laughs> um, our bones are our skeletal system. They are truly amazing. You know, their bones are alive with cells, blood vessels, nerves, and pain receptors. They grow, repair, and they change shape to meet our needs. It's been stated that, stated that the bones are more amazing, a more amazing design than the Eiffel Tower, the Golden Gate Bridge, or the Empire State Building. Um, other than Dr. Dietrich, can anybody tell me how many bones you have in your body? What? You got it, Jay. 206. Apparently, um, as an infant, you have about 300, but a bunch of them kind of fused together. Um, they're kind of made up of two types, the compact, which is your long bones, the really dense stuff, and then the spongy interior part, which houses the calcium and phosphorus. They provide three main functions in your body. Mechanical, that's, they, it's your framework, so your, your muscles and your organs are attached to it. And they also provide protection. You've know, you got your rib cage around your important heart and lungs, and your skull is protected by, your brain protects your skull. They, they, do, they do maintenance work by providing the precise amount of calcium and phosphorus that your blood and tissues need. 
And they're also involved in blood protection. Inside your bones, you've got the blood marrow, and that's where your red and white blood cells are formed. Also, platelets are formed in there that do a little um, clotting and, and fixing there. In the womb, your bones are all cartilage. And the reason that is because cartilage can grow, whereas your bone can just kind of get a little thicker, but, you're, but as, as cartilage, it can grow. So when a doctor talks about, you know, you have a certain amount of growth plates left, that's, that's the amount of cartilage you got in there. Once that's closed up, that's all the taller you're going to get. Okay, the next one. Uh, hopefully this doesn't uh, wreck anybody's appetite, but I just found this really interesting. It's, it's about the, because during pregnancy, there's some amazing things that happen, and one of the things is, is the placenta. When your egg gets fertilized, it quickly divides into two cells. One becomes the placenta, and one becomes the baby. Now, both the placenta and the, the baby are in the uterus, but they're not part of the mother's body. So if that placenta was not there protecting that baby, the mother's immune system would actually attack that baby. So is that system of the placenta, is it something that could be acquired or would that have been necessary for survival? In the development stage, the only part of the baby's organs that work is actually the heart. The rest of them are, kind of, are not used till after they're born. Remember, I told you before that the pump, the heart has two pumps. One goes to the lungs, one goes to the rest of the body. So there's a bypass system when they're in the placenta, and it's just basically an open hole, and when the baby's born, that closes, and the baby's able to start breathing at that time. But really a fascinating thing about, about the placenta is after birth, the uterus, it, um, it contracts and it expels the placenta. And in doing this, it rips away part of the surface, and there's 20 arteries that are exposed at that time. Now, they, they bleed at a rate of one pint a minute. There's about 10 pints or so of blood in your body. It won't be long before you have some serious problems, right? God came to the rescue again. He designed a system so these uterine arteries, they have a little muscular ring around them. And then when, after, after the birth occurs and they, this ripping occurs, they kind of, just like a purse string, they close up and they, and they seal, and they allow, usually, a, typically about a pint of blood is lost during birth, not, not what, what could happen if this system wasn't in place. Now, once again, I ask you, was that in place from the beginning, or did that acquire to enhance survival? Okay, we're just going to look real quickly here at the skin, and then we're going to close this up here. The skin is the largest organ in your body. It can be thick like in the palms of your hands or in the soles of your feet or, or thin like in the rest of your body. It's basically in three parts, the epidermis, the dermis, and the hypodermis. In part of the epidermis, there's... Uh, you, I don't know if you can read it up there. It's, it's, it's something called the stratum corneum. I've tried to stay away from the big words because they just confuse me. <laughs> and uh, this, what this is is actually just a thin layer of dead skin. And it's, it's tightly, tightly connected, almost as if it's welded together. And what it does is it provides a barrier between the living cells and the outside. If it were not there, 
death would come quickly because of fluid loss and bacteria invasion. Now, was that acquired or was that there from the beginning? Now, why is, why is this stuff that we're talking about here, why, why is it all important? I mean, what, what is, why is it important that we believe God created things just like the Bible says? Well, if you look at that old barn that we got up there, and if any of you have seen barns driving on the country, what happens when the foundation gives way? That quickly, that barn just goes down. It, it, it don't take long. Psalm 11.3 says, If the foundations are destroyed... What can the righteous do? Well, if we see, look at the first few chapters of Genesis. We see the foundation for how God created the heavens, the earth, and man. We see the foundation of the seven-day week, how the Sabbath was blessed and sanctified. We see the foundation of marriage between one man and one woman. We see the foundation of original sin and Christ's redemptive work. The enemy, he knows where the foundation is. As you can see, he's firing at the foundation. Unfortunately, Christians oftentimes end up going after a little issue here or there, but the enemy knows what the foundation is. Now, if we, if we take Adam and Eve out of the equation, if we make them a myth, is the wages of sin really death? I mean, is, is Romans 5.12 correct where it says... Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus spread to all men, because all sinned. Or Romans 5.18, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, a free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. If we take away sin and death through Adam, was Christ's redemptive work at his first coming, was it really necessary? If we compromise on Genesis, if we question the word of God, and we place, place his authority with that of sinful man, if we compromise on creation, why would the world heed us in anything that we say about God? In a recent study, Brett Beamer from America's Research Group, he asked the question, why do two-thirds of young Christians age 20 to 29 walk away from church? Most think it's probably in college or when they get their freedom that they drift. But what his study found is that 40% of them start questioning the Bible when they're in middle school. 45% start questioning the Bible in high school. The biggest reason they leave, it's not music. It's not that they feel unimportant. It's that they don't Trust the Bible. If you kick God out as the creator, everything collapses. And see, Satan knows that. That's why he has been working so hard to attack the creation account, that God is our creator, that he designed us and made us wonderfully. I'm glad the Adventist church has stayed true to the creation account. But we have to keep them on, our, on their toes. Because we, we, there's... We can't let compromise sneak in. If you believe in creation, I hope this look today at animals and man, how we are wonderfully made, will solidify your belief in the Bible. If you do not believe, I hope our discussion will encourage you to take a look at God's marvelous creations.
and ask yourself, just how could this have come about? Heavenly Father, we thank you today and we acknowledge truly how great you are. We thank you for all the wonderful blessings you've given us, for designing the world and designing man to know that we are wonderfully made, so that we may know the truth, that we may have confidence in scripture. Lord, we thank you for all the evidence that you've given us, that it let it keep our faith strong, so that we may stay firm and we may cling to the hope of your blessed return. We thank you, Lord, and we ask a special blessing on everyone here, and we pray today in the name of Jesus. Amen.